0: Back in the 1990s, home improvement became an obsession. With the popularity of shows like Tim Allen's Home Improvement and the rise of big box home improvement stores like Lowe's and Home Depot, home improvement became a very, very big thing. And it still is a very, very big thing. About six weeks ago or so, I can't remember exactly the time frame, but it was about that time ago, I got sick, came down with a flu or a cold or I don't know what it was and I woke up in the middle of the night and the television set in our room was still on and because I was sick and I couldn't sleep, I just started watching the TV, the channel that it was on and for whatever reason, I don't know if Mary Joe had left it on that channel or what, but it was HGTV, what's that? Home and Garden TV. Yeah, that's the channel that it happened to be on. And in a matter of a few hours, I was addicted to shows like Fixer Upper, Flipper Flop, and Property Brothers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I was just hooked. I was addicted. And I, I, I can now tell you about kitchen backsplashes, about the difference between granite and quartz countertops, and French doors. I can tell you a little bit about this stuff now. The world of home improvement is bigger than ever. But let me submit to you that the the term could be a little bit of a misnomer. What do you mean? There's a fundamental difference in fixing up and improving the house and having a loving, godly home. So maybe we should call all that house-fixing-up stuff house improvement and just distinguish that from home improvement. What God is really interested in is home improvement and not house improvement. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus was a carpenter, and I'm positive that Jesus would love the best materials possible for a house. I mean, he would have the quartz countertops probably. I mean, I know, I know that he has the quartz countertops in heaven. I mean, if there's a kitchen in heaven, it's got a big island and it's, it's, it's got some great backsplash, it is off the charts. It's, it's awesome. But what Jesus is interested in is that you and I have godly homes that are in proper and godly order. Throughout the Bible, there are many passages that deal with home improvement. Let's put it that way. Uh, there's great instruction for fathers Mothers, husbands, wives, and children. There's great instruction in rearing godly children and treating each other right in the home. Now the place to start is with your foundation. And that foundation is Christ and building the home on Christ and in God's order. Tonight we come to a home improvement passage. Peter in his epistle has encouraged the 1st century Christians and today the 21st century Christians in their conduct. He has addressed the general proper conduct of our lives. He's addressed our political conduct. He's addressed our work conduct. And tonight he's going to address our home lives, our home conduct, and specifically how we might get some home improvement. Uh, This passage is broken up into two main areas. Instruction for women and instruction for men. There's no third choice, by the way. It's just those two. Amen. So if you want to improve your home God's way, open up your spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit would have to say. And so let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Ladies first, right? Ladies first. So we have home improvement for women. Home improvement for women. Let's pick it up in 1 Peter chapter three, verse one. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be The hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former years, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid, with any terror home improvement for the woman the woman and a Siri was looking up stuff on uh, my phone about Sarah and Abraham um anyway at least Siri is listening to the message amen i don't know if you are but hopefully you're still with me amen peter here lays out some home improvement principles for women and wives and these principles can be broken down into categories, and the first one that we're going to hit, and it, 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 it could be a touchy one, it's a sensitive one, but I, I for one and one believe that you've got to hit these uh, topics, you've got to hit these passages head on. The world is not afraid to march out their latest belief system and their uh latest thing that they want to do and 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 we're living and reading from and proclaiming a word that is correct and and, and is right and 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 is uh, uh God's word and it's authoritative for all the world whether people accept it or not and so we're going to take a look at this home improvement for women the first one is and I put it this way godly submission godly submission Peter says here he says likewise likewise wives be submissive to your own husbands the godly wife will be is to be submissive to her husband this this submission is, is not it's not a, a a kind of a thing where submitting to uh, that lording it over type of a person or or anything like that And it's not a reward for the husband's good behavior. It is commanded by God as the proper order for the home. And Paul and others throughout the scriptures just articulate the godly order and it comes from the very order of creation and takes it back even to the Godhead that within the Godhead there's an order and a proper submission within the Godhead. And so we're going to look at how Jesus modeled perfect submission for you. Yeah, Jesus, the one that's the king and kings and the Lord of Lords, he submitted himself to a bunch of stuff. And so he hasn't asked anyone, male or female, to do anything that he hasn't... uh, rightly shown us and demonstrated to us. Amen? And, and, and so he's a, he's a good God. Amen? He showed us how to do it. And so uh, it's, it's commanded by God as the proper order for the home. Now, the key to understanding this principle without getting our 21st century brains wigged out on the word submit or wives be submissive is that Peter uses the word likewise. You notice there, the first word there in, the, in chapter uh, 3, verse 1 of 1 Peter, it says wives likewise, likewise. And, and so wives are likewise to be submissive to their husbands. And so that begs the question, likewise to what? Well, likewise to what he's been talking about in the context. He's been talking about submitting to a lot of things. He's been talking about... Us submitting to the, to the proper role of government in our lives, and he, he talked about that. He's been talking about submitting ourselves to our earthly masters, those that would be our employers, and so he's been talking about that. And so now he's just kind of rolling through on this topic, and he says, wives, likewise, here's your role in the home to, to, to be submissive to your husband's, uh, Peter has all, already exhorted us to be in proper uh, submission to the government, to our employers, and proper submission in the home is where it all starts. Uh, submission is necessary for things to work properly. In anything, any system, any organization, whether it be mechanical, whether it be organic, whether it be relational, any system, there, ha- there is a proper order to it and the way that it functions correctly. And when things are not in order, they become out of order. And when things are out of order, they generally don't work. And you've been up to the the vending machine, right? And you're really hungry and you're like... And you're just about to put the money in, and you notice the sign, out of order. Yeah, the machine doesn't work. Something in there has malfunctioned and isn't working right. And it's the same for all of our lives. It's the same for every facet of our lives. That There is a, there is a proper order to this life. And and, and Peter is actually uh, laying this out for the home. And he he starts with the wives in being in proper submission in the home uh, and to... Their husbands. Now, the Apostle Paul goes through God's order for the home in Ephesians. And he actually does a, a, a little bit more of an exhaustive uh, take on, on the whole issue. And I'll uh, go ahead and look at his, his uh, passage here in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. Uh, Paul put it this way. He says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body." Verse 25, next one, verse 25. Therefore, or verse 24, I'm sorry. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. The principle is that the wife submits to her husband as to the Lord. It, it's it's. it's Likewise, as to the proper submission in the other areas of life, whether it be proper submission to government, whether it be proper submission to earthly masters, likewise, wives, be submissive to your husbands. But Paul actually says in Adds 2 and says that it is as to the Lord, that when we submit to anything that we're asked or commanded to submit to, we do that as to the Lord because the Lord has been our perfect Example, amen? amen? Wives submitting properly to the headship of your husband teaches you to properly submit to Christ. People who have a hard time submitting to anything are gonna have a hard time submitting to Christ. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I've been around the block enough to know, and I've been about around the block uh, as a pastor and, a, and as a person, to see that when people have a, a, a problem with submitting to things, they will generally have difficulty in submitting properly to Christ in their life as, as the Lord of Lords in, in their life, as, as the king of their life. And that's what we're we're asked to do. And so wives, submitting properly to the headship of your husband is, is kind of a built-in uh, kind of instructional aspect in that sense because it's teaching you how to submit to Christ. For how can you submit to Christ if you cannot submit to your husband? Proper submission will save you from out-of-order behavior. Wives being in proper submission to their husbands literally will save you from out-of-order behavior. And I've also witnessed this. I've witnessed this down through the years. I've seen wives who have literally dishonored their family, dishonored their heads, and by being loose cannons in their speech and actions, and they were out of order. They weren't in a proper order. Had they... Had they submitted to their husband as to the Lord, they would have put themselves in a proper order so as to conduct themselves in their speech and in their conduct within the church and within the greater community as to demonstrate a proper order in their lives and to demonstrate that they are a person that is under authority, that you come in under authority. There there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of heaven, amen? There are no lone rangers. We're asked to, to do these things. And, and, it, and it's, a, it's a command of the Lord. And it's, it's the same way in our walk with Christ. <coughs> Proper submission to Christ saves us from quick, impulsive decisions, brash talk, and actions. It's a matter of discipleship. When, you, when you're properly submitted to Christ... When you have that proper submission to the Lord, (coughs) it saves you in those moments because you have that mentality that, like, oh, wait, wait, I'm submitted to Christ. How is it that I need to act to honor the head in my life, Christ Jesus? How is it that I need to speak? How is it that I need to conduct myself in this situation? And and you know what? We, We all make mistakes. Thank you. We all make mistakes. We all say things. We all do things. You know, we all you know fly off the handle from time to time, lose it, you know. But as we're growing in Christ, we're learning how to, how to be a person under proper submission. And being under proper submission will literally save us from bad decisions and, and, and just rash talk and actions. The call for submission... Is not merely a call for love and considerate action. It is a call to relate in submission to authority. The term submission is used outside the New Testament to describe the submission and obedience of soldiers in an an army to those of superior rank. It literally means to order under, to be submissive, to order under. Uh, And, you know, our society actually functions. When there's proper order and proper sub- uh, submissiveness to the things, and when we see this being begin to be broke down, is when we begin to see the, the the fabric of society beginning to to fray and to and to and to have problems. Uh, people will, you know, buck against this type of a message. They will say it's it's old school, it's old fashioned, it's out of date, it's archaic but l- let me tell you this this, this type of thing is, is, has done well It's done well for, for thousands of years amen. amen for thousands of years some might object to this talk of submission to husbands haven't we moved on from this archaic thinking First, submission to authority can be totally consistent with equality in importance, dignity, and honor. Jesus was subject to both his parents and to God the Father, but was not not lower than either of them. So people, especially in our modern world, have equated submitting to anything as subjugating yourself in an unequal way to that person. And that is not a part of the equation. We look at Jesus. Was Jesus in proper submission in his home? His parents? Absolutely. He was in proper submission. But yet, was he greater than Mary and Joseph? Yes. he Absolutely. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, I think the culture, the mindset of the culture has got it Really wrong when it comes to that um, it, it's it 's a matter of of being in the order of the order that that entity is supposed to have, whether it be a family, whether it be uh, your workplace, whether it be the nation, whether it be whatever it is I mean the example there was used as that of an army. Can you imagine what the army would? would be like if there wasn't submissiveness in the army? I mean, it would be chaos in the army. You know? Chaos would rule. And and, and we can't have that in the army. We can't have that in the nation. We can't have that in the home. If, if, if we want a godly home, we have to have godly submission. Amen? One commentator, his name is Wayne Grudem, he put it this way, Thus, the command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality or lesser importance. Amen? The teaching about submission was especially relevant to a first century married woman who had begun to follow Jesus There were questions that arose because, see, in the first century, you had you had women that were getting saved. You had women that were giving their hearts and lives to Christ. They were coming into the church. They were beginning to be taught the Word of God, and aligning their lives with the Word of God. And then that basically brought up questions that they had. She would ask questions such as, "Should I leave my husband? I'm saved now. My husband's not saved. Should I leave my husband?" Or should I I change my behavior towards him? Should I act differently towards him? Or should I assume a superior position because now I'm in Christ? What should I do? These were all questions that the apostles were fielding in the first century. The command is to stay. To stay where you are. And to love your husband. And to be submissive to your husband. But But Peter goes on here. He says, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. And so see, even in the first verse there, we see, we can look into that and see some of the questions that may have been asked. Should I, should I continue to, to, to be the wife in the home? I mean, my, my husband doesn't serve the Lord. What should I do? Should I leave? Should I go do my thing? I'm, I mean, I'm a Christian. And Peter's saying here that, that wives need to be submissive to their own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. What's Peter saying? He's saying that you should be submissive to your husbands in that proper role that you should have, and that you should continue to love, you should continue to respect your husband, you should continue to fulfill those duties, and and to be absolutely the most loving, joyful person that you can possibly be and utmost respect and respect. You don't even have to go home. You know, I think sometimes um, things can happen in those type of relationships where maybe the wife comes home and she's, well, the preacher said this, and you need to do this and such and such and such and such, and you need to get your act together and what. And, and the, the husband's freaking out, going, "What? You know, go away from me, woman. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you now." And and um, you know, I've I've known pastors that have um, you know dealt with a lot of. of of uh, Angry husbands, you know, uh, because the wife is submitting herself to the Lord and to the Word of God, and um, maybe she 's gone home she 's been a little bit too preachy, been a little too edgy, a little, a little too whatever and, and what peter 's saying is here is conduct your, yourself in your actions in such a way that even though you may have a a, a, a husband that does not obey the Word of God that with with you not even speaking a word, but by your very actions and how you are, are being submissive to your husband, that you may even win your husband over to the Lord through, through your proper conduct in the home. And, and this is what Peter is, is getting at here. The wife may win the husband to Christ by her conduct. Came across this story as I was studying for this message. Um, the true story... Of a wealthy German man whose wife was a devout believer, devout Christian. And the man, this man, this German man, was a heavy drinker, spending late nights out at the bar with his friends. Uh, She would she would send the, the the servants to bed, stay up till he returned, receive him kindly, and never scold him or complain. At times, she would even have to undress him and put him into the bed, coming home just drunk. One night in the bar, he said to his friends, I bet if we go home to my house right now, my wife will be sitting up waiting for me. She'll come to the door, give us a royal welcome, and even make dinner for us if I ask her. They were all skeptical. But decided to go along and see. Sure enough, she came to the door. She received them courteously and willingly agreed to make dinner for them without the slightest trace of resentment. After serving them, she went off to her room. And as soon as she had left, one of the men began to condemn the husband. What kind of man are you to treat such a good woman so miserably? The accuser got up without finishing his dinner and left the house. Another did the same and another till they had all departed without eating the meal. Within a half an hour, the husband became deeply convicted of his wickedness and especially of his heartless treatment of his wife. He went to his wife's room, asked her to pray for him, repented of his sins and surrendered his life to Christ. And from that time on, he became a devoted disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was one without a word. Without a word. So this is what Peter's telling him, telling. It doesn't mean that you never ever bring the word of God to bear in the situation. But I think it is saying that, you know, wives, let's let's be let's 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 make sure that we're doing that in love. We sometimes, you know, one of the biggest hearts cry of Christian women that I have heard down through the years and read about and read books and you know, marriage conferences and seminars is that the man would take a little bit more of a spiritual role, a spiritual leadership, and all, all this type of thing. And what has happened is in some places where uh, you know uh, just staying on him all the time on, on, all, all the time, and, and, and nothing ever happening and, and I think what what uh, Peter is presenting here is the principle of, of winning winning your husband. With, with your actions and with your love and your respect in that situation. We win people to Christ and to ourselves. Not only do we win people to Christ, but we win them to ourselves. Um, you know, there's a proverb that says, he who wins, wins the soul is wise, right? And yeah, we, we win people to Christ, but we also win them to the, ourselves. Paul very much so viewed the people that he won to Christ as his, as, as, his, as, as his crown as his jewels in his crown. And, 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 um, and so we need, to, we need to take it very seriously what, um, what we would do in that situation and, and realize that we can win people uh, in our conduct. Uh, next, The next category that, that Peter deals with is really the true beauty of a godly woman. Look at it, verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. The true beauty of a godly woman. We live in a world where the woman is bombarded with the imagery to to just concentrate on the outward adornment. I mean, I don't even need to. I mean, I don't even need to say it, really. I mean, you, you turn on the, the, the television, you drive down the street, you look at the advertisements, you look at the what the world is putting out, and it's it is a mindset of focusing on the outward appearance. I mean, focusing so much so so on the outward appearance that it's it's just almost over the top. One cannot watch a commercial. That doesn't say that you can be more beautiful or attractive if you wear this or that, or you know, do this to yourself or this makeup or this. You know, I don't even know all of it. You know, I mean, you 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 ladies know what I'm talking about. All of that type of stuff. The Christian person has to realize that man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. We learned that principle back in the Old Testament when Samuel went to went to anoint the, the next king of Israel. And remember when he went to Jesse's, Jesse's sons, and, and one by one, the, the sons came out, and he was about ready to, oh, sure, sur- surely this guy, strong guy, big guy, you know, uh, this, is, this is the next king. And God just told Samuel, no, that's not him, that's not him. Went through all of Jesse's sons until there was no more visible, and Samuel said, well, is there any more? Yeah, I've got, I've, got a, I've got a young boy. He's, he's out taking care of the sheep. He's just out, of the, you know, the back pasture. We'll, we'll bring him on in here. And sure enough, it was David. It was David that was anointed the next king of Israel. And we learn from that passage that God looks on the inward. Man looks on the outward. Man does that. And because man looks on the outward, it drives us in a lot of ways to concentrate on the outward. People today spend so much time focused, even obsessed with the outward appearance. Meanwhile, inside is dead. Focusing so much on beautifying the outside, making sure everything's just so. And meanwhile, the inside is dead. Years ago, Steve Wiggins of the band Big Tent Revival, he wrote a song about this. Um, And I remember when I got this album, this was 20 years ago or so. This song struck me, uh, just even the title of it, and it was called Lovely Mausoleum. And the final line of the chorus says, you've built a lovely mausoleum for your soul. The whole song is about how you've done all this to, make your, to beautify your body and to concentrate on the outward appearance, and you've done a wonderful job building a mausoleum, a lovely one by that, by that means, uh, but for your soul. And in the same way, Jesus told the Pharisees that they were whitewashed sepulchers. And, and so there's this idea that we can focus on how it appears to the outward, how it, how, whether it's physical or whether it's even um, kind of acting the part out spiritually when we're not really concentrating on the true beauty of the inward person that, that Peter is addressing here. The goal of the Christian is to put an emphasis on the inward man. In fact, Paul put it this way, the outward man is wasting away day by day. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. Amen? And so I read this uh, this week. Um, Google, the people at Google are just, uh, they're preoccupied. With immortality, they're trying to they're trying to discover immortality. In fact, I read a headline on Drudge this week that uh, that they they think they're close to someone being able to live a thousand years um, and and beyond. It said I, I actually clicked on the article and you know we're going to figure out how to how to stop the aging process. We're going to figure out you know we're going to solve death. In other words, and. And this is, this is the issue. But Paul says the outward man is wasting away, but the inward person, for the Christian, the inward person, is being renewed day by day. God has a secret workshop. It's in your heart. In the inner man. And he's wanting to do an awesome renovation. I mean, you know, in these home improvement shows, one of the things that, you know, I was just watching these, you know, Every half hour, you know, a new episode came on. You know, it was like, you know, what do they call that? Binge watching, you know, binge. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and I got hooked into, the, you know, this fixer-upper, right? You know, this couple out of Texas, out of Waco. You know, wonderful Christian couple. I want to meet them. I fell in love with this, these people. And, um, and one of the things they do is they go in on, and they call it demo day. And that's where they rip out all the old appliances and cabinets and all the floors and whatever. And you know what? That's the same thing God wants to do with us. <laughs> We're a fixer-upper. We're a fixer-upper. And, and, and he has a demo day, right? He has a demo day where he comes in and he deals with all the old stuff. And he, and he wants to clean it out and get it out so that he can do his work in that, in that workshop. He can do this awesome renovation in your heart, in your spirit. He wants to give you love deep in your heart, agape, for your husband, for your family, for, for the people in your life. He, he, wants, to, he wants to put love deep in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in your heart. And he wants, when he puts that love in your heart, he wants the things that spring out from love to just begin to flow in your life. He, he wants goodness. He wants kindness. He wants uh, self-control. He wants gentleness. He wants that gentle and quiet spirit. It's amazing to me when I see people that, Maybe we're just kind of that edgy type person and they were like all this and then they get saved and then you see him a little bit later and, and you see the work of the Holy Spirit. He's come in and done a renovation in their heart and it's more than a renovation. It's a complete restoration. And, and, and it's incredible. You know, at the end of the show, when they do the, you know, they, they, they do the reveal. And, and they, have the, the, they have this big picture that is in front of their house. And it's the, it's the picture of their house when they first saw it. When it was just old and dilapidated and all this. And, and, and then she said, what's her name, Joanna? She says, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? And they take the, they wheel the thing away. And then they just go, oh, it's amazing. It's incredible. And, and believe you me, it's amazing. I see this. I mean, it almost makes you want to get a fixer-upper because, I mean, these people are getting nice houses. They're not just getting the run-of-the-mill builder selections. I mean, they're getting the top-notch. I mean, it's, it's, it's just decked out. I mean, this tile work in the kitchen, in the, in the, in the bathrooms, and the, you know, this wood floors. I mean, they don't even do laminate. <laughs> She she, Joanna will not put laminate in a home. Have you ever seen her put laminate in a home? She doesn't believe in it. Hardwood floors. Yeah. You guys with me tonight? God wants to do a renovation. Let Him do that. Let Him do it. You know, in the show, they, had, they have to agree. You know, they're sitting there and they're like, the husband and wife are going, oh no, I mean, this is going to be a long time and we've got to wait for this whole renovation to take place and we don't know if they're going to be able to deliver on what they're saying. We have to believe their promise that they're going to do this. And then they finally have to come to It's moment of decision. It's a decision time. And they say, you know what? We're in. We're in. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be all in with the Lord and let him kind of come in and, and do that renovation. Now, Peter did not... Forbid a woman from fixing her hair. I mean, this is, Peter is not saying here, women, don't pay attention to your hair. Don't do your hair. Don't, don't, you know, he, he wasn't making some type of a case like that. He wasn't saying, don't, wear, you're not allowed to wear any jewelry or anything like that. He's saying, what I want you to do, that's all good and fine. And with moderation. But I want you to focus on the inward person. That you have a quiet and gentle spirit, that the work of the Lord has been allowed to take place in your heart and that there's been a renovation in his home, right? Yeah, it's his home where God's going to live. He's going he's to he's, he's do a renovation, amen? He's not moving into the fixer-upper and then just leaving it right. in that condition. Paul said, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus is moving in, he's going to do a renovation, Amen? It 's a beautiful thing, and there's a gentleness. Peter specifically mentions the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, and it is a beautiful thing. a gentle spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, and that works out in gentleness. Paul Peter goes on here to give an example of a godly woman. Verse five: For in this manner, in the former times. The holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being, as, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror and So here you have Peter appealing all the way back to to Sarah and Abraham, and how Sarah conducted herself in the home and, and did this and so there 's an example of a godly woman so Sometimes you need to realize, like you know, ladies, who is your example? Who is it that you're looking to uh, in your life? Is is Siri is going nuts? Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who 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 are you looking to? Who is the example? We need to we need to have a godly role model. And 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 here Peter is actually saying, yeah, Sarah. Was that like 1,800 years before that? Yeah, 1,800 B.C. He's giving these ladies an example from 1,800 years ago, now 3,800, right? Ladies, what's your example of how to live? Sarah obeyed Abraham. She was properly submissive in the home, which demonstrated two things. First, she obeyed Abraham. Even when it was difficult, there's if you go through the whole story, you go back in Genesis, you can read that. There were times when it was, it was hard. You know what? You imagine when Abraham comes in and says, you know, the Lord's commanded me to offer Isaac on, uh, as a sacrifice. What? No, you're not. Can you imagine? No, she didn't say that, by the way. She was properly submissive, and, and the Lord honored that. Second, she honored Abraham by calling him Lord. It's possible to obey someone without showing them honor that is a part of submission. True submission knows the place of obedience and honor. And so there is a place of honor. Now, let's move on to the last part. Home improvement for men. Verse 7. Husbands, likewise... (coughs) Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Home improvement for the men. Now the ladies might say right there as we just read that one verse, the ladies might say, hey, wait, hold on. How come Peter gave us six verses on what we need to do, and only one verse of instruction for the men, for the husbands. What's going on here, right, ladies? You're great. Why did he do that? No one knows. No. <laughs> I'll just throw this out. That is because Peter. That is because Peter knows that he's got to keep it real simple for the men. He can't have five verses. He's got to say it all in one verse for the men. Keep it real simple for the guys. Amen. He says dwell with them. Dwell with your wives. You say, "Well, that might be simple." You say, "Well, that's kind of simple." Well, Peter's saying, "A godly husband abides with his wife." A godly husband lives with his wife. He he doesn't merely share a house. He doesn't just, you know, share the kitchen or share the things. But, but he lives with his wife. He abides. He dwells with his wife. How we're supposed to dwell with the Lord. We just don't dwell in a relationship with the Lord so that we can just get all the benefits of whatever it is. No, we dwell with the Lord. We have a personal relationship with the Lord. And, and a godly husband, he says, dwell with them. Dwell with them. He says, with understanding, with understanding. A godly husband understands the important job of understanding his wife, and this is the one that will you know this is this is what we've got to do, man. We've got to understand our wives. You know? As long as it takes, figure them out. You know, we've got to understand them. This you know, this is we we love our wives. We understand them. This means we know them. We know what is what is with them, what, their personality. You know what they enjoy, what they like. You know they may not they may not be into talking about what you want to talk about. You know, there are some couples that never talk anymore because they've discovered that they're not into the same things. They're not enamored with the same things, the same topics, the same topics of conversation. And, you know, I have learned this in my, in my marriage. You know, there are things that I'm interested in that, that Mary Jo is not interested in. You know, I, I, I tend to be into, like, you know, deeper stuff. I, I tend to be into, like you know, studying up on, like, quantum physics and, and you know, deep theological stuff. And, and sometimes I'll come to Mary Jo and I'll say, man, my mind is blown. You're not going to believe this. I've been studying all about quarks and particles and, 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 and you know, Planck seconds and all this. And she's like, Charles, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know, you know, she, she, she just can't, she doesn't want to do it. She, she doesn't want, she, she, she has no, she does not have a desire to understand quantum physics. And so that's just something that I have to, I have to understand. Now, she did, she did oblige to me, we were down in Jupiter, Florida, a couple of years ago on our anniversary, and we stopped by the Max Planck Foundation. And if you know, anybody know who Max Planck is? Yeah, he's the one that discovered the, you know, this, the smallest measure of time, it's, a, it's called a Planck second. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, it's negative 10 to the 43 seconds, and this is the smallest measure of time. And so anyways, I joked on Instagram. She took a picture of me in front of the Max Planck Foundation, and I joked on Instagram that, um, that it took her 2.22611379837 times 10 to the 45th power Planck seconds For Mary Jo to take the picture of me standing in front of the, um, (laughs) this, this is, this this is just me, folks. But I have to understand, she does, she does not care what a plank second is. She just doesn't want to know. And, and so we've got to dwell with our wives with understanding. We've got to love them. We've got to honor them. We've got to respect them. You know, Don't give up on living with your wife with understanding. Don't give up on that. I think the greatest relationships are made in that way where you're both just kind of on this Lifelong date. Amen. Remember your first date? Remember your very first date? It was like, you know, you just were talking. Weren't doing anything else. Hopefully. You know. (laughs) You were just talking. Getting to know one another. Getting to know each other. Mary Jo and I found out on our very first date that we were born in the same hospital. And more than likely in the same room. Because back then they didn't have all these 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 birthing center rooms and all this. They had one delivery room, right? And so more than likely we were born. And so we it was it was just you know we we were we were on the fast track. No, it took five years. It took five years to get that done. But we've got to love our our wives, dwell with them with understanding, honor them, respect them, and make it our lifelong goal, our job, to dwell with them with understanding. Now, Peter adds, and let me finish up here, Peter adds, as to the weaker vessel. As to the weaker vessel. Now, you say, Charles, this is a tough passage that you you took on tonight. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, the modern mind does not like to even hear a lot of the stuff in this passage. I'm well aware of that. <coughs> You have to understand what Peter is saying. He's not, he's not in any way diminishing the woman. He's, 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 he's more or less kind of acknowledging kind of an obvious thing that generally speaking that women are, are physically not as strong as men. Now, the, now, there are a couple ladies that I, I wouldn't want to get into. You know, this, these UFC women, you know? No, I'm not getting into the octagon, you know, with, with, with these people. But generally speaking, and so it's 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 not in a way as you know as an insult to women. I think that you know there, there's in some ways people, men and women, we've we've tried to figure out what chip we can have on our shoulder to just rile everything up and miss the entire point of what's being said. Right. And so, as to the weaker br- as to the weaker vessel, in this context, uh, weaker speaks of women's relative physical weakness in comparison to men. And Peter brought in the idea of, of understanding this. Of understanding this. Now, now sometimes, you know, we as men, we, it, 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 another fact is that generally they're weaker physically, generally, and also generally they're a little bit more emotional. Can we say that? You know, emotional? Is that, is that fair to say? I'm getting some nods from the ladies, so I'm, I'm okay. We have to understand this, men. This should be, this, we, we understand that sometimes we have, to, we, we have to be sensitive to these things as we, as we move along in our relationships. And understanding how this all plays out. And that's how we love our wives. Knowing what they need. Wives, men, there, there was a book that someone gave Mary Jo and I years ago. It was called His Needs, Her Needs. Uh-huh. And a great book, um, How to Build an Affair-Proof Marriage. And uh, it just dealt with the, the, the needs of the husband, you know. And, and, and everyone says, oh, well, you know, the man, just, he just needs sex, right? He just needs sex. If he's got sex, he's okay. No, there's, 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 there's some needs, Men need respect, men need and want respect in their life for who they are and what they're, what they 're doing and, and, and the job that they do and and yes they, they do want sex too. <laughs> women need that emotional connection they need that uh, affection and sometimes you know there was another book, what is it Jupiter and you know Venus and Mars and all this and and understanding all that and um, yeah, it wasn't Jupiter or Mars. It was, it was Venus. Yeah, it was Venus and Mars, right? And, um, and so part of it is, is actually understanding. What he's getting at is understanding the differences that we have as men and women, mm-hmm. that there are differences. And using that is to love each other in those things. Amen? He goes on. He says, we're heirs together. A godly husband realizes that his spouse is not only his wife, but his sister in Jesus. This is so important. Realizing that your wife is your sister also in Jesus. And that you're heirs together in this gospel of grace. Amen? And, um, and then he says that, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now this bothers some people too, and we'll, we're bringing it, we're wrapping it up. You say, how can our prayers be hindered if we're, maybe we're having strife in the home? Maybe we have strife in the relationship. And, and the question is, Peter, are, what are you saying? Are you saying that my prayers, I'm praying to God, that prayer can be hindered? How is this possible? Doesn't God hear me? I think what he's saying is that there's things that happen in our lives that as we go to the Lord and we pray about things and God is wanting us to deal with things and we're leaving things, those things that that, are, that God is wanting, to, those renovations that God's wanting to do in our lives. And we're not dealing with them and we're not allowing God to deal with them and smooth those things out. And so God kind of wants that, you know, we're praying about this and we're, God do this and do this. And guess what? God wants you to deal with some fundamental things that you're just ignoring. And if you'll come back, husband, to that place where you're submitting to the Lord and you're submitting to the rightful lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, then God is going to begin to move you forward. And some of these other things that you want to pray for, some of these other big dreams, some of these other things of restoration that you want to see done in your marriage, God's going to do that. But let's deal with first things first as we get those things that may hinder the things that we may go to the Lord with in prayer and allow the Lord to do those things that he wants to do. Amen? and um and let me let me wrap this up by taking us just to you know Paul, you know Paul kind of did the same thing in ephesians five he He lays these things out for the wives, um, you know, be submissive to the husband and respect and honor, and all this stuff, right and then he gets to the husbands, and he says this in ephesians five twenty five it 'll be up on the screen. He says, "Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church." And gave himself for her. What you have to do is you have to stop and think about what this means. If the ladies thought that (coughs) it's a tough saying that they should submit to their husbands, this is as tough as it gets. Not because men may not want to do that. But because what this is asking for is for men to love their wives with a selfless love, a self-sacrificing love. He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Christ do? He came down to this earth. He became a man and he gave himself up. He surrendered himself. You want to talk about submission? You want to talk about what Jesus our God Uh, lived an example for us he submitted himself to death on a cross that's how much he loved you that's how much he loves you and wants you to be with him forever and ever and ever and he says through the apostle paul by the spirit he says husbands love your wives as christ loved the church who gave himself up for her for who the bride of christ husbands give yourself up for your bride it's a complete denial of self. It's a self-sacrificing love for our wish and, I, and, and for our wives. And I think that, husbands, that we've got our work cut out for us. Amen? We have got our work cut out for us in the sense that through God that we set our minds on that goal to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And it's going to take some doing. And it's going to take allowing God to do a renovation in our heart. And it's going to take some pruning and some sanding of the rough edges. Of, the, of the being irritable. Of, of being whatever it is. It, it's, it's going to take allowing God to do some things in our lives that he wants to do. But we've got to submit ourselves to the work of the Lord. So that we can love our wives as Christ loved the church. Men, we have to lead the way. We must give ourselves wholeheartedly to God and to serve our wives, to love our wives, just as Christ loved the church. And, um, you know, men, I think we can come to a verse like that and we can say, well, you know, who can do that? You know, the cynical cynical guy comes to a verse like that, says, well, who can do that? Who can live up to that? That's, that's kind of the person who just gives up before they start. they say, you've already, you've already thrown in the towel. You've already thrown in the towel. You're not even going to try. God, God, wants, God wants you to submit your life to, to his home improvement project in your life. And for you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And just start with that. And see what God begins to do in your marriage. See what God begins to, pr- to, to, to repair. And I've, I've heard it said before, and I'll say it again here tonight, and I'll close with this. What woman would not lovingly submit to their man who is loving her as Christ loved the church? Amen? Amen? and bringing that home into a proper order to function as a light, as a light in the community.